Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. Hi there. In today's podcast, we have a fantastic clip from my sister Jessica's Hay House radio show. I hope you enjoy the clip. I wanted to have a guest who is a very close friend of mine. She is a mother of five. I have to check. I think it's five at this point. And she, um, she has been a crusader for holistic wellness, natural parenting, and green living on the internet for more than a decade. You can, uh, check Bex out at bexlife.com. And, you know, Bex is one of those people where anytime I am struggling or going through a transition, I call her because she's so real. She's so smart. And she's just a master of knowing how to have a lot on her plate and figuring it out and still having a good time. So there is a lot that we can all learn from her. And I really recommend you follow her on social media on Instagram, on Facebook. She's absolutely amazing, incredibly inspiring. And we're going to be talking about childbirth, a few different things. I know there's some people who know either you're um, thinking about having children in the future or you know somebody who's pregnant. We're going to share some really great information that can help um, anyone who's, any woman who's pregnant. And also we'll even go deeper within our time together to talk about the experience of birth itself, because it does stand as a metaphor in our life. You know, when you look at the, um, the journals of, of Da Vinci or some of the, the most, um, incredible people in history, one of the things I noticed is that they always looked at nature to realize how nature reflects in our personal lives and to notice the rhythms. You know, if you want to learn how to create an airplane, watch a bird. When you want to know how to create something, look at farming, planting the seed, letting it grow. There's so many metaphors within nature and there's metaphors within childbirth and the way that we approach childbirth. So we're going to be talking all about that. I'm excited to have her. Welcome, Bex. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So I want to learn a little bit more about you for those who are new to your work. You have five children, right? I have five, yes. That's right. Okay. So you have five children. Um, talk a little bit about the way, we're going to go into childbirth, but just the way that you approach parenting and what your passion is. You know, a lot of people go to you for advice. What are you passionate about sharing with the world? Well, I guess my approach to parenting could best be summed up as ever-evolving. It's so funny because I've actually been on your show before, and I don't know exactly what we talked about before, and I always get um, nervous about people like revisiting old things that I've said because <laughs> it's always changing. It's always changing. I'm always learning, and I always, you know, hopefully I'm getting a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser, and, um, you know, I take the same approach and attitude towards parenting. I'm just very open, and I'm very 
I'm open to receiving new information all the time, whether it's coming from other places, coming from my intuition, or coming from my children. So a lot of it is um, about reacting, about seeing what happens, and then forming an opinion or forming an approach to that. So I guess, you know, I, I consider myself a student. Um, I would never consider myself a parenting expert because I only know five children intimately. And um, That's a lot in my book. <laughs> <laughs> It isn't though. There's a lot of kids in the world and yes. and I'm always hesitant to give a lot of parenting advice because I only know this experience. So my best advice is, you know, just to, to be open and receptive always. Yes. Well, and I want to spend some time on that because I think it's so incredibly valuable. One of the things that I respect the most about you is that you always seem to be able to go with the flow. There's a lot going on. I mean, if people follow you on Instagram, everything you're doing, you have a baby on your back. And you have a way of when things get messy, which they often are, to just go with the flow, to not look at trying to fix them or trying to make that make it perfect. And actually, I was just reading, someone posted on my Facebook about an article I'd, I'd written a while ago about distinguishing the difference between self-care and self-help. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes for those who say, listen to shows like this, who are really into personal development, where it can get a little bit messy is this idea of I'm broken. I need to fix myself. I need to get it right. Mm-hmm. So you begin to study and you begin to like, listen to all of these experts with this idea that one day I'll be able to be as good as those experts or one day I'll get it and I'll get it right. And and what I hear from you is you're saying, let's relax because it's not about getting it right, but it's about constantly giving yourself the opportunity to change your opinion and, and go with the flow. Right. I mean, exactly. I talk a lot about in my work, um, as a meditation guide about, um, you know, healing myself from anxiety. And I, I try to emphasize that I'm still a person who has anxiety. I manage it. I'm not cured um, from it. And when people, much like in weight loss, if we're always looking for this time um, to be perfect and then to be able to enjoy things, then we're really never going to get there. We're never going to enjoy our lives in the moment. So as a parent, I'm never going to be a perfect parent. I'm never going to get it exactly right. I just, you know, want every single day to end it feeling that, you know, my children are all safe and relatively happy and that no major catastrophes happened to me, <laughs> basically, because it's, it's just something that you can't perfect. It's going to change. It's going to change over time with the individual children, and then it's going to change from child to child. So I have to be very forgiving with myself in all things, especially when it comes to taking care of molding and guiding other human beings. Mm. Do you feel like when it comes to the experience of parenting that what people need is a bit more forgiveness and compassion for, for themselves and also other parents. Totally. Totally. It's, you know what, it's such a, it's such an important job um, that we tend to get very defensive about it. If we feel like we're being challenged, if we, if we feel like something that we're doing is wrong. So that's where all these mommy wars come from, or this infighting among, among women about how to parent, you know, breastfeeding or bottle feeding or co-sleeping or putting the baby in a crib or sleep training or not. Um, it's scary to think that you might be doing something wrong. So it causes a lot of conflict. If we could be forgiving with ourselves, it would be so much easier to be forgiving towards other people and compassionate and, and work together to come up with better ideas for everybody instead mm. of, you know, holding so tightly to our own beliefs. 
Yeah. I, I see that there's, there's a movement, you know, everyone that I'm hearing on Hay House Radio and all the latest books are going, you know, before it was like, okay, you have this problem. This is how to fix it. Mm -hmm. And I see this movement of people saying, okay, this is the problem. This is how you accept it. Mm -hmm. And we find the freedom through acceptance. It's, you know, and it's very different from what a lot of us were raised to believe, which is if you want to make a change, you have to make sacrifices and you need to fight for it and you need to suffer. Mm -hmm. And now we're showing like, okay, well, even if you don't get it right, or even if you have this problem, with love and acceptance, you're going to go a lot further. One thing that, that um, having children, and not just one, but multiple children, because I think that when you have one, um, time moves very slowly. You're always waiting for the next thing. Like, when are they going to walk? When are they going to crawl or talk or, you know, go on to that next milestone? And then as, you know, you have another one and another one and you see how fast things go, now it's like, please, God, time slow down. I don't have a lot of time to be miserable with myself. I just don't. It comes down to that. I don't want to worry about fixing myself and waiting to be successful and waiting to be happy. I just want it today. I want to enjoy this moment now. And I want, you know, time to stop with all of the imperfections that characterize that space and time. So right now I'm not perfect, but I want to enjoy this day because my baby is seven months old and tomorrow she's going to be going to college like my oldest one is. And I, mm. and I can't worry about filling that time with, um, you know, all this self-help. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> <need> help. <laughs> I really right. I don't need help. I need to, um, I just need to live um, with love. And mm. uh, that's my goal from day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I invite everyone to, that's listening to, to think about this more. You know, are we putting our happiness on hold for a certain moment in the future? You know, have we gotten so into personal help in creating goals that we put our happiness on hold, believing that it, there'll be a perfect time in the future to feel it. And it's really tragic when we live our lives that way. And, and then, you know, we, we look back and, and feel a little bit sad. You know, we, we look back and we think, wow, I wish I appreciated that more as it was going on. Yeah. I've been shifting my own goals toward more um, of experiences that I want to have. So instead of saying that it's a goal that I feel like I'm constantly working toward and putting a ton of energy toward, it's that there's a, an experience that I um, desire and it will arrive in time if I just stay on, on course and I keep, you know, experiencing every day to the fullest. So I've become very patient with the things that I want in life because I do have um, things that I aspire to. You know, I definitely want to be on a beach in Mexico, retired with my husband one day, crafting and, and you know, playing with <laughs> grandchildren. But I'm not worrying about it every day. I'm not feeling like it's, it's some laborious task that I have to work toward. Um, so I'm just I'm I'm waiting for the experience to arrive. But I'm also experiencing life every day. Right. Right. Yeah. It's that it's that beautiful balance. So I want to talk about childbirth because you know after having five children, it's something that you you're pretty familiar with, yeah. and you've really you know I've seen you kind of. Get the, kind of reignite this passion of helping other women. And I, I'm guessing it's probably because everyone, including myself, I mean, I've told you multiple times, Bex, the moment I have children, I'm calling you. Like, be prepared <laughs> that wait. you will be getting text messages. Like, you're going to regret that I have your cell phone number. But I know that a lot of people look at you and, and they want advice when it comes to this experience of of having children. Can you tell us about how, how it's become a new passion and what your really aim is? What, what are you looking to highlight when it comes to the experience around childbirth? 
Uh, well, you know, I was in this period of time where I was having children. My children ate, range in age from 17 to 7 months, and that was always my, you know, obviously my primary focus and my primary job was you know, constantly nursing or birthing or whatever. And I'm still in that, but I have decided, and we've decided as a family, that um, there probably won't be more little ones coming from us. And I cherish the experience so much. I'm so grateful for the beautiful births that I've been able to have. I'm also grateful for the not-so-beautiful birth experiences that I've had, and I want to help other women um, feel empowered to create their own experiences and and to really um, feel the magic that is having an empowered birth. Mm. So it's not necessarily um, a fully natural, unmedicated birth, which a lot of people think that... um, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about my work as a doula, because now I'm, I'm becoming certified as a doula. And I'm so for, for those who don't know, what's a doula? A doula is simply a woman who assists other women um, during their birthing time. Um, so I could be a prenatal doula and help you like more as a pregnancy coach. Um, but primarily, I'm there um, during the time that you're in labor and giving birth to keep you comfortable and to help your partner during that time as well. Um, so it could be anything from massages to affirmations, whatever you need. I just don't deliver the baby. So (laughs) it's a beautiful thing. And I assist with breastfeeding and, and all of that. Um, and so it's, you know, having these experiences and having my power taken away in some instances and then, you know, taking it back, it's just like, how can I not help other women have this too and share with them and educate them, um, about my experiences and the experience, experience that they could have. So, that's the work I'm doing now. It's been so incredibly fulfilling. It's put me back in alignment with my purpose. Um, it's just reinvigorated everything uh, for me doing this work. So, right. And what I hope um, for women to get out of it is that they feel like they've had um, a joyful experience, no matter how it ends. My last birth ended in a C-section, and after, after almost 72 hours of labor, this woman was a champion Um, and it just wasn't progressing the way that everyone would have liked. And, uh, she still had a wonderful birth and a wonderful experience that she looks back on very fondly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, I mentioned this in the beginning, but for those who are listening, I know that there's many people who know, I mean, I'm at a stage now, I just feel like everybody is having babies. I don't know if it's spring, but it's, (laughs) I see it everywhere. So, you know, the information we're learning here is things that maybe it impacts us personally. Maybe it's something that we can share with those that we love. And also I feel like there is such a metaphor when it comes to the way that we approach giving birth and the same way we get, we approach giving birth to ideas and, and projects and kind of that, that rhythm and that experience. I want to talk a bit more about how you look at birth as a spiritual experience, but first, can you share with us some of the biggest misconceptions around birth? Oh, well, this is a little bit controversial, but I think that the biggest misconception is that it has to hurt, that it has to be painful. And I will disclose that I am a hypnobabies practitioner. So mm-hmm. I um, use hypnosis and self-hypnosis during the birthing process. And I also like to use it with my clients um, to reframe ideas around pain. Because what's happened, uh, especially in modern Western society, is that we have um, created this fear around birth, that it's painful, that it's something um, that we can't do, that it's too big to endure, and therefore we have to medicate and we have to avoid that pain. And 
I think that when, through hypnosis, through self-hypnosis, reframing the idea around pain um, and turning it into more of a sensation or a pressure that is in service to us and that it's something that our body is doing naturally and with great success and that it's a healthy feeling um, that uh, allows us to have an experience that is truly transformative, that mm-hmm. um, changes who we are. It changes who we are as mothers. Uh, it changes our partners from witnessing it, and it changes the baby, um, especially in those early hours and days. So the biggest misconception is that it's too painful and right. that it's too overwhelming when it isn't. My, we do it all the time. Yeah. My sister-in-law, Alex's wife, Karen, also did hypnobirthing. And I remember one time we were in the kitchen the, making a salad for lunch together and we were talking about her experience and I just made some kind of comment about the pain in childbirth. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, it's not painful. And I was like, what? Like, I, like I couldn't believe that she was saying that. And she goes, no, it's a pressure. You know, it's, right. it's an experience, but it's not pain. And then she told me a bit more about hypnobirthing, which I think is so incredibly fascinating and really helpful for giving birth. But then it makes me think if giving birth isn't a painful experience because because we begin to reframe things, what is the potential of us doing that in other aspects of our lives when yeah. we feel like we're doing something new that feels uncomfortable and it feels painful? What are some of, are there principles around hypnobirthing that we can translate, you know, we can transfer to use towards other areas of our life? Oh, a hundred percent. And first of all, I know that as we were saying, this is about a thousand eyes rolling. Women <laughs> saying There's no way that it's not painful. And I want to clarify, it doesn't mean that you don't feel anything. It's not like you're running around skipping and feeling amazing. It's like, this is the most wonderful thing. What it does is it changes the idea of what you're feeling from something that is scary, something to be feared into something that's in service to you. So that's the difference. Say, so, say that again. That was great. It changes. Well, now I don't know what I thought. <laughs> but it, 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 it's, it's instead of approaching um, the pain as something to, something to be feared, it changes it into something that's in service to you. Yes. And the process. And this is where the, the principles of hypnobirthing and hypnobabies really translate to so many different parts of our lives. Because, they, because it teaches you, and, and a lot of the affirmations are about, um, are saying, my body is working exactly as it should. All, everything that I'm feeling is in service to me. All of, these, all of this pressure is bringing my baby closer to me. It's bringing me closer to my goal, and that's a way to apply it to other places in your life. So there's a lot of so-called, you know, quote-unquote, painful experiences that we have to endure to get to you know, a better place. But what if we reframe that thinking saying, and saying, it's not, um, it's not painful. This is in service. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is perfect just the way it is, this process. It's not something to be fixed. It's not something to be medicated or to be numbed. It's something to be fully experienced because there's beauty in this experience, and it's in service to the goal. I think that that's something that's so profound, and it does, it's not just about birth. It's about any process, you know, mm. starting a business, healing a relationship, death. All of these things are transitions that can be approached as something that's beautiful and in service to our growth instead right. of something to be feared. I mean, I, I wrote that down in the pain is in service of the process. And mm-hmm. what comes to mind is I have a, a friend who's going through a, a really hard breakup. Um, you know, they're living together. He's moving out, massive transition. And she's 
she's in a lot of pain and I've been, you know, helping trying to support her through this, this time and just reassuring her that, that the, that the pain is natural, that it's nothing to be ashamed of or worried about, but that she's having like a detox experience, um, from, from something that was toxic in her life. Mm. And this idea that the pain is of service is so powerful because if we don't have that belief, what we do is we feel the pain and we make the pain mean that something is wrong. And it, it kind of adds to the, the struggle around the experience because of the meaning that we give being really uncomfortable and in pain. I love that you use the word detox because um, so often we think of detox, either detoxing off drugs or detoxing from foods that aren't so good for us. And right now I'm in the middle of um, going vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for a full month now. And there's a lot of uh, things that we feel that are uncomfortable and could be categorized as painful when we go through these processes of removing things from our body it's the same with our soul, but that doesn't mean that it's something that should be avoided. It's in service. It's a great reminder of how not to get into the situation again. So when yeah. I went through my divorce, and it was so physically painful, my heart was breaking, and I felt it. I was able, at least, and I'm so grateful that I was able to see that this will be in service to me. This will help me grow. I will learn from this. And even when it felt wrong to say it, when it didn't feel right, just repeating that constantly to myself at least kept me alive, you know, kept my head mm -hmm. above water. And now I look back and I'm like, I don't regret a minute of that relationship. I, you know, have three beautiful children, all that great stuff, but all the beautiful things that I learned about myself and how I grew as a woman and as a person who could serve so much better in my future relationships. You know, it's, there was so much to be learned from that, and I'm so grateful for it, for all the good times and that horrendous pain at the end. Right. So embrace it, it. It seems like... If someone doesn't have these tools, what we tend to go to is wanting to rush through it mm -hmm. and numb the pain. When it comes to childbirth, do you see that as a as a common way that it's approached? Let's like rush through it. Let's numb it. And um, yeah, I mean, do you have any thoughts around that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, not only do we feel it, it's not, not only is it instinct to say, I want this to stop right now. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of the coaching that I do while in the labor process is to remind the woman that there's a baby at the end because the pain or the overwhelm could be so big that you forget that you're even having a baby. Mm. Like, a baby at the end, remember that baby, think about that baby, or we'll have pictures of the sonogram or the initials of the baby. Um, so <laughs> there's that, but then there's everyone around us telling us too that you don't need to feel this way. And doctors coming in and saying, you know, why would you ever put yourself through this? Oh, don't be a hero. Don't try to be a champion. Just, you know, take this medication that's going to make it all go away. It's going to make it better. But what we don't see is that in them trying to help, and that's sincere, they really do want to help, they're also taking away this great opportunity. They're also robbing you of an experience. And women, I feel, are being denied, like, a basic human right to feel the, the fullness, experience the fullness of of this process um, by other people, doctors, medical professionals, telling them, family members telling them that it's silly to try to, to feel it all, that it's silly to, you know, work through the pain. Um, I'm not for suffering. I don't believe in suffering, but I think there is a difference between pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. I think that pain is something that we can work towards. We could use tools to manage. Suffering is something quite different, and I never want anyone to suffer in any circumstance. Um, but there's, there's just so much beauty in it. 
I've done it three ways. I mean, I've done it three times with an epidural. I've done it twice at home, um, non-medicated. And the experiences that I had the last two times, it just changed me as a human being. It's made me more alive, more focused, um, more open, um, more compassionate, um, and definitely more in touch with myself. So I'm all for experience. Right, right, absolutely. So when when someone is looking to have that, to begin to make that switch, so, you know, we're talking about it, a lot of us, we logically understand that, that this is going to be helpful. Do you have any tips to actually help us sink into that concept to really experience it for ourselves in different areas of our lives? It's fully about acceptance. Mm. Even if it, be, it becomes a daily mantra or a meditation practice, that you're constantly reminding yourself that this is normal. It's the number one um, thing, like right thing to say to a woman who's in labor as she becomes afraid is that all of this is normal because Mm -hmm. we get, we get scared because it's unfamiliar and then we get scared and it manifests in our muscles and we tense up and, you know, we have all these, these psychological um, symptoms of fear, but then also the physical symptoms start creeping up. So it's the constantly remind yourself that this, is normal. It is part of the process. It is in service. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, that would be my number one tip. Um, it's, a, it's just a constant, uh, a constant practice in revisiting um, what the fear is and what you're worried about and then remind yourself that it's okay. And I like that you're saying that it's a constant process. So it's mm-hmm. not that one day we'll suddenly get it and we'll be like, yes, it's all, I mean, I think it definitely gets easier, Yes. but, and I've noticed that in my own life, there's certain things that are so much easier, but I'm still putting the effort. Like I still, am, I still have moments of reminding myself those things. And it's important to know that because if a lot of times when people fall out of that and they have to remind themselves, they think, oh, I did something wrong and now I'm correcting myself without looking at it as like, this is actually just the rhythm of life. This is how, this is how things flow. Like th- there's nobody, I haven't met anybody that's just like con- constantly in that like enlightened space. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no, it's a muscle that you have to work. And it's just like, you know, working your physical muscles. It's not, not like I went to the gym and had a really good workout a year ago, and that's going to keep me in shape forever. Right, exactly. Kind of, that's a great metaphor. And it, yeah. gets, it does get easier and easier. And what happens, um, what used to happen for me is that I would feel like I was in a state of transition, and it would feel like it would never end. And I was constantly fearful and constantly anxious, and the pain was unbearable. And it would last forever because I just kept harping on that and telling myself to be afraid and reaffirming my fear. And now I'm getting out of it in maybe three minutes. Now I find myself in, in a state of panic or worry or anxiety, and I do those quick reminders, and I'm right back out of it, and I'm back to normal life. So it's a constant practice, but it gets easier, and the, the pain diminishes, the discomfort diminishes. Right. And, um, yeah. So I, I want to talk about the, the body for a second because we're – we're learning about how we can definitely change our experience of pain to make it into something else that can feel even empowering, you know, knowing that we can trust the process. So we know that in our minds, as we begin to incorporate these ideas, that there is, there's just an openness. There's a, there's a lightness. There's an empowering feeling around this. But what actually happens to the body when either we're in, in labor or also even just starting a project? When we bring in this, this kind of level of acceptance, what physical changes do you notice? Well, in labor, 
especially, that's where all the pain is coming from. That's where all that unbearable brand of pain is coming from. It's that our body's uh, reaction to fear, we're tensing up. The uterus is this incredible, super, super strong muscle that's meant to be allowed to push the baby out on its own. I mean, women... Um, not too long ago in our nation's history, were knocked out to give birth. I mean, my, my husband's mother was knocked out completely, so she was unconscious. Her body still delivered that baby. We're really not that integral in the process. We just have to show up. So <laughs> if we can show up and be totally relaxed, as if we were kind of in another place, you know, if we could take our mind to another place or become very, very focused on being relaxed, that baby's just going to come out. And there's going to be very little discomfort. It's when we are tensing up our muscles and making fists and pulling our shoulders up and furring our brow that it becomes almost impossible to get the baby out. And then that's where all that directed pushing that, you know, hold your breath, 10, 9, 8, 7, you know, all of that, which is completely unnecessary. So if we can take that lesson of just using different techniques of relaxation, meditation, yoga, tapping, any of these things that are going to allow us to allow (laughs) for lack of a better word, um, everything is going to flow more freely, physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, So, I mean, that's that's why the hypnobirthing worked so well for me because I was able to relax my muscles and let my body do what it was meant to do, let my body take over. And it, go ahead. Well, it's even like you with, with sports per se, like just as an example, I know that a lot of people in sports, they use tapping because they know that it, that if they get out of their head and into trusting their body, they get into a flow, they get into a state where they just like, they know where to go. You know, when you talk to athletes, to professional athletes, they talk about there's like an instinct around what to do. And when they get into that, what they call the zone, it's not something where they're, they're really in the state of consciously thinking and worrying and trying to figure out they're just in a place of being. And then, you know, going back to this pattern of fear, Outside of childbirth, we see the same thing. We start a new project. We go on a new date. We stand on stage and all of a sudden that fear comes up and our body clenches and our, it's like our brain shuts down and we get into a state of panic that we're not able to trust ourselves to get into that zone to kind of, to, to be able to produce, to give birth to new things. Right. Exactly. No, the zone is definitely the place that like I got into during the birthing process. And it's so magical to see women go into that where they're, at their primal state where everything else has been removed, all stimulus, everything is like out, they they don't notice anything that's going on around them. And they're really just inside of themselves doing the work. It's so beautiful. And you can feel it energetically when you're next to them. And, and um, it's, it's a place that we should all aspire to be. And it's also a place that you want to be to avoid the reaction or the, the consequences of when crisis happens. So, you know, birth, you can prepare um, fully. You can have, like, all the tools, just like my last mother did, and it ended in C-section. That was a crisis situation when the doctor walks in and says, you know, we, we're going to have to operate. You're about to have major surgery. And she handled it with such grace and such acceptance and such understanding that that was what needed to happen. There was no regret. There was no guilt. There was no defeat. You know, there were a couple tears, like, you know, frustration. I worked so hard. But then it was like, this is, this is all in perfect alignment with the way things are meant to be. And um, it was, that was a beautiful process to see her handle that crisis. So you imagine a car accident. 
um, when you know the accident's going to happen, you get so much more injured because you tense up because you're preparing to, yeah. to get hit. So if it just happens out of the blue, you're in a much better uh, position to just, you know, tumble and fall or get knocked around. And, and think of it that way. It's like this relaxation is going to serve you also, not for the, just the transition, but also all the, the crisis points that come up along the way. Yeah. I mean, this is really important for anyone that's listening who feels like they are worrying a lot today. Maybe there's something on their mind, something that just is weighing heavy on them. And the way that we often just in react to a challenging situation is we think like, well, I have to, I have to worry about it. And if I don't worry about it, it means I don't care. Or if I don't worry about it, things could get worse. And so our worrying isn't because we're bad people. It's, it's what I like to call misguided self-love. You know, it's like we worry because we think it helps us, but it's actually kind of, it, it actually robs us from our ability to see things clearly and to make decisions that are are best for us. You know, I often, I have this, um, have you ever heard of the five-year journal? Bex? No. It's really cool. So every year you, um, there's the date. So, you know, so for today it, it says like May 12th and the year's blank and you, there's five of them. And so every year you get back to that same page where you have to write three sentences. And I did it for five years. So I can tell you, um, for in a five-year period, what I was thinking on May 12th. And what was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's really crazy because it gives you this grand perspective of life. I mean, a lot changes in five years. And I, the, the biggest takeaway I had from the experience of doing it for five solid years is I realized that I never looked back and thought to myself, I'm so happy. I worried about that. It was worth it. <laughs> That's profound. I right? love that. Ever, never, never, ever. Oh, I'm so happy I worried about that. It was completely worth it. It was everything always works out. It just does in, in different ways. And I, and I look back at something that felt so humongous at the mo, at the moment. And just a year later, it's just nothing. And when you begin to realize that how important perspective is, you can begin to have that perspective in the moment instead of having to wait a year to reflect and see how everything ended up being okay. And you know what? Sometimes things don't work out, but worrying still didn't serve that either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? You're right. A lot of time. Oh my goodness. Like I have to say, I love goal setting. I've been goal setting since I was 17. I can look back at all of my goals. I have not, I haven't reached like there's 90% of my goals I have not reached. And it's simply because they've evolved yeah. through time. And something better happened that was different. And sometimes that something better didn't feel better when it first happened. And it wasn't until I looked back that I thought, oh, I'm so happy that that relationship didn't work. You know, I'm so happy I had to detox from this person. So, you know, it's, it's, I think life is so much easier when we begin to have that perspective and just that core belief that things do work out in a way that uh, that serves us and in a way that we can't even imagine from our current situation. It's the accepting and the allowing again. It all comes back to that. It's like, how can we possibly ever know? And again, with the birth experience, how could we possibly ever know what we're missing, what we really want, what's really going to bring us this true happiness until we have experienced it. Like I'm looking right now, I'm on the phone with you, but I'm looking out to my backyard because all the children have been banished to the outdoors <laughs> on this call. And my 17 year old daughter is there and her boyfriend's out there and they're playing on the swings and my seven month old and my four year old and the 11 year old who's almost 12. And they're all kind of like hanging out and playing and making a mess. And I think someone was crying before. 
And it's like, I could have never picked out this for myself. I could have mm. never known. I had so many ideas and goals and plans for who I was going to be and what I was going to be doing. And never in a million years would this have been on the list. And it's just, it's my, it's my bliss. It's all the happiness that I could ever want. It fills my heart so fully. And it's how I look at the childbirth experience in a, in a very different way. But I didn't know what I was missing until I had it. And I thought that I was so scared. I knew it was going to hurt so bad. And I needed to have that epidural. And there was no way that I could endure that. There was no way, there was no way I was going to put myself through it. And then I did it. And it was almost for nostalgia. It wasn't because I had this deeply, um, this deeply held belief that it was something that I was entitled to or deserved. I was like, ah, it's the last one. Let's do it at home and see what happens. And it, it changed the way I looked at life. And I would have never known what I was missing until I did it. It wasn't, it wasn't like a big goal of mine. It just kind of happened upon me. And um, it, was, it was an experience that um, it showed me what, what it really meant to live more than anything, because I've never felt more alive in my life. And you know, when, when we feel so alive, it's because we're open to all of the feelings, Mm -hmm. like everything we're, we're open to the ones that are, that feel great. And the ones that are a bit more uncomfortable, I I think that comes with living and and the challenges when we're, when we have so much fear and we fear the pain, we also numb ourselves from the good stuff. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. When we close ourselves off to anything, we close ourselves off to everything. And it's yeah. like, you know, it's like the facts of life song. You got to take the good to take the bad. <laughs> right. all of that. But it's really true. You have to just be open to all things and understand that the way the universe works, that these things that are coming into your life, so-called good, so-called bad, are all in service to our growth. Otherwise, they wouldn't present themselves. There's no accidents. There's no uselessness in our experiences. So mm. um, I love that. Yeah. So good. So good. And I want to, um, I'd love to do some tapping because I, I think that this, I just think that tapping fits in so well with what you're saying and kind of getting in that place of acceptance. And what I'd love to do is a little work between going from fear to trusting the process to trust. But before I do that, I mean, any other wise words around this idea of trusting the process? So we were put here for a reason. Um, we were put in these human bodies for a reason. I think that we're always striving to have this spiritual experience and to become enlightened, but we forget about the importance of actually being in our physical bodies, enjoying them, using them, feeling them fully. And that you know goes so much. It speaks so much to my work um, as a birth worker uh, that you know we're here to experience this, not to numb it, and to recall that and um, to trust in our bodies and our purposes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, I, like I, I just keep saying that there I just there's such a correlation with the way that we approach birth in the process of creating uh, and doing something new and, and and birthing different things within our lives. You know, we all have to go through that transition of 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 sometimes, you know, having a bit of discomfort and trusting ourselves, trusting our body, letting go of fear, going to trusting the process. So the tapping meditation that we're going to do now it can obviously serve someone who is having an experience around birth, but also anyone that feels like they're in a place in their life where they feel a little bit paralyzed by fear. You know, they feel their whole body clenching up. So what I'd love to do, Bex, is uh, I'll do some tapping. If you could tap along, I'll let you know where to tap and repeat after me. Mm-hmm. 
And everyone that's listening, do the same. If you want to get the most out of our time together, just take a few minutes to tap. If you are new to tapping, you can go to thetappingsolution.com. Thetappingsolution.com, you can learn it for free where the points are. But I'm also going to say the points. And you can also guess because it is a very forgiving process. So um, let's begin. Just everyone take a deep breath in. So inhale through your nose. Exhale through your mouth and check in with your body. Notice if it feels clenched, if you have any anxiety in your body, maybe it's in your chest, in your shoulders, in your back, in your stomach. Just take note where you're feeling some fear or some anxiety and give it a number on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most intense, one you barely feel it, doesn't have to be perfect, just guess, give it a number. And we're gonna begin to tap. So tapping on the side of the hand, everyone, including Bex, repeat after me. Even though I feel all this fear in my body. Even though I feel all this fear in my body. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And it's safe for me to trust the process. And it's safe for me to trust the process. Even though I feel so scared. Even though I feel so scared. I honor how I feel. I honor how I feel. And it's safe for me to trust this process. And it's safe for me to trust this process. Even though I feel overwhelmed with worry. Even though I feel overwhelmed with worry. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And it's safe for me to let go of control. And it's safe for me to let go of control. Eyebrow point. All of this fear in my body. All of this fear in my body. Side of the eye. This tightness in my body. This tightness in my body. Under the eye. This fear of pain. This fear of pain. Under the nose. The, uh, the fear of something going wrong. The fear of something going wrong. Chin. The fear of something new. The fear of something new. Collarbone. The fear of the unknown. This fear of the unknown. Under the arm. I feel it in my body. I feel it in my body. Top of the head. And my body feels so tight. And my body feels so tight. Eyebrow. All of this fear. All of this fear. Side of the eye. This fear in my body. This fear in my body. Under the eye. It's safe to acknowledge it. It's safe to acknowledge it. Under the nose. And to give it a voice. And to give it a voice. Chin. What am I really feeling? What am I really feeling? Collarbone, it's safe to acknowledge how I feel. It's safe to acknowledge how I feel. Under the arm, I honor how I feel. I honor how I feel. Top of the head, it's safe to be in my body. It's safe to be in my body. Eyebrow, it's safe to feel these feelings. It's safe to feel these feelings. Side of the eye, it's safe to have a full experience. It's safe to have a full experience. Under the eye, it's safe to trust this process. It's safe to trust this process. Under the nose, this pain is of service. This pain is of service. Chin, this experience is of service. This experience is of service. Collarbone, and everything I'm feeling. And everything I'm feeling. Under the arm is leading to something great. Is leading to something great. Top of the head, I release all judgments around how I feel. I release all judgments around how I feel. Eyebrow, I feel what I feel. I feel what I feel. Side of the eye, and I honor my own experience. And I honor my own experience. 
under the I, knowing that all of these feelings, knowing that all of these feelings under the nose are part of the process, are part of the process, chin, and I can trust my body, and I can trust my body, collarbone, I can trust myself, I can trust myself, under the arm, I can trust life, I can trust life, top of the head, all is well, all is well. Okay, take a deep breath in. And exhale. Uh, now everyone that's listening, just move around in your body. Notice, check in with the sensation you had before. Has it gone up? Has it gone down? Has it stayed the same? Check in. And a great thing to do is notice what ideas have come up. As we were tapping, was there something that I said that really felt true to you? Or did you have a certain sensation or an idea or a some clarity as to what might really be bothering you. All of the ideas when we're tapping are leading us to where we go next with our experience when it comes to tapping and when it comes to meditating. Bex, how was that experience for you? I have to tell you that I've been going through some professional transitions, some very scary ones that I've um, been talking about a little bit online and more in my, my new video that I just shot today. And I felt this overwhelming sense of empowerment, like, you know what, I'm in this body, I'm capable, I'm ready, I trust myself to be able to pull through this. Yes. I really did. It was like, wow, I didn't think I was going to go there. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Yes. And again, it's like that giving us those, uh, giving ourselves those moments, those reminders, you know, it has to be part of our daily practice. You mentioned, you know, you just, ha you gave us some just golden nuggets in our time together. You know, you talked about my biggest takeaway, which I'm going to be quoting this all of the time, but this experience or this pain or this sensation is in service of the process. Yeah. And I'm going to call my girlfriend after this and tell her about it. That's a gem. What are some other sayings that you found, find to be really helpful? I know that you're really into meditating. Mm -hmm. Do you like to meditate on a certain phrase or a certain idea? You know, how, how do you experience meditation? Um, I do like to meditate on a certain idea, and it's whatever I'm dealing with in, in that moment. So my meditation practice, I call it my check yourself before you wreck yourself practice. That's really what it is. <laughs> check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yes, I'm I love it. I'm a huge hip-hop fan. I've been talking about Tupac and Ice-T all day. But um, <laughs> So I, the first thing I do in the morning, because I am a person who lives with and manages her anxiety, um, I ask myself, you know, what are my worries? for the day. Right after my gratitude practice, I allow myself to express what I'm worried about because um, I wake up with a lot of worry and tension sometimes. So I will meditate on that. And 99% and of the time, uh, my mantra is just about I'm safe in this moment. It's okay to feel what I'm feeling right now. And that's it. It's just like the allowing, like, it's okay to feel this. Don't mm -hmm. fight it. It's not about a solution. It's not about working through something. It's just about being in that something. And I'm a huge advocate for feeling all the feels um, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a conversation that I have with myself, but it's very much, you're okay. It's okay. You are safe. Allow yourself to feel this. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th so what we're talking about here is, say, five minutes, right? It's just like, it's a moment to just... Mm -hmm 
connect with yourself to remind yourself of this. Even, you know, with me, like my tapping practice, I, I don't tap for an hour, like unless right. I'm really going through something and then I'll reach out to someone else to support me. But when it comes to just daily maintenance and, and to hilly practice, and I've had massive shifts when it comes to doing it five minutes a day, people hear this, people know that they should meditate. They should spend some time connecting and, and tapping. And I think a lot of people don't. And I hear people say like, I know that I should do it, but I just, I don't find the time. You are not only working, but you have five children, um, <laughs> including an infant. So how do you make that time? I mean, I'm sure you wake up and it's just like, everybody has some kind of, de- there's a million demands on you. How do you carve out that time to connect with yourself? Right. Well, you know, but most of your audience probably does not know that I have created this four-minute meditation practice just for that purpose because I found myself not – the meditation in the morning is great. And if you have time every morning and every evening to meditate, that's perfect. Um, but it wasn't perfect for me. So I would find myself having to check in in the car, in the laundry room, like wherever I was um, when you know, feelings would well up, and then I would have to just be still right then. So it's my morning practice is mm, maybe five minutes total. I mean, it only takes a minute for me to say thank you for three things. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what I do before I'm even allowed to touch my phone. Just acknowledge three things that I'm thankful for. And most of the time it's like Ooh, before my, you my... can touch your phone. That's a great little rule. Oh, yeah. Like I have to do it. And sometimes it's really, really lame. Like I'm thankful for my husband because he's right next to me. Or, <laughs> I'm thankful for these beautiful sheets just so I could get to the phone right away. But the the four-minute meditation is a non-negotiable for me. And, my gosh, I mean, you go to the bathroom every morning. You absolutely have four minutes to meditate. So, um, And it's it's just those those mantras, those easy mantras, getting in touch with my breath, taking 10 deep inhales and exhales, and just checking in. Um, Admittedly, sometimes it's less than four minutes, but it changes the whole course of my day. When I don't do it, I feel it. Yes. Yes. And you have a, a new book that's going to be coming out um, in the beginning of 2017, which I'm like so impatient for. But <laughs> luckily, between now and then, you have a lot of great resources. How can people um, stay in touch with you? And what are some things that you recommend that they look into when it comes to going to Bexlife.com? Sure. Well, it's Bexlife.com, B-X-Life.com. Very easy. I am Bexlife on every social media platform. I have amazing things going on in Facebook right now. So if you follow me at Beck's Life on Facebook, you'll find an amazing community that um, I'm building with my girlfriend about living your yoga off the mat. And we're getting mm. into meditation, yoga, diet, um, love, relationships. It's, it's amazing. So just find me everywhere. I am everywhere all the time, constantly, <laughs> constantly <laughs> tuned in. You are. And also, I'm just one of those people who I, when it comes to my Instagram, all I want to see are babies and dogs and cute animals, like cute animals cuddling. And if they're two different types of animals, like if it's like a hippopotamus, like cuddling with a giraffe, that's my absolute favorite. My second favorite are the adorable pictures of your of your little babies and your and your children and you know you guys all cuddling. So it it definitely like warms my heart. <laughs> 